All right, so Jesus is teaching here. Many of you have read this most of your life. I just want to go through it uh, this morning where he's talking about a process. Now, uh, we in the last few weeks, we've talked about the prayer, the model prayer. Some people call it the Lord's Prayer. And we found out that it's not actually a prayer that the Lord prayed. It was a pattern for prayer that he gave us that we could use, right? And so we took two weeks to go through that. And that's a great pattern for you to use in your own prayer time. Here, he's talking about a process that is actually involved when we pray. So listen for this. Verse 7, Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. says Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who receives... And the one who, uh, everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will he give him a stone? That's kind of funny, isn't it? You know, can I have a piece of bread, Dad? Yeah, here. Wait a minute, that's a rock. <laughs> you know? I mean, so Jesus is exaggerating here. Don't say Jesus didn't have a good sense of humor. Okay. Uh, it gets better. It says if, or, you know, so the kid's hungry. And, or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a snake, a serpent? <laughs> I mean, just imagine that. I'm hungry, Dad. Okay, here. And it's like, bah, it's a snake. You wouldn't do that. You know, even not so good parents wouldn't do that. So he's kind of exaggerating here to make a point. So he said, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Amen. Amen. So uh, J. Hudson Taylor, the great missionary of a century ago, started the China Inland Mission. J. Hudson Taylor said this, the prayer power has never been tried to its full capacity. If we want to see mighty wonders of divine power and grace wrought in the place of weakness, failure, and disappointment, let us answer God's standing challenge. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. End quote. That's true. Maybe the world has never seen this used in its fullest capacity in any of our lives. Um, J. Sidlow Baxter said this. Uh, Men may spurn our, appeal, our appeals, reject our message, oppose our arguments, despise our persons, but they are helpless against our prayers. Amen. So sometimes there's really not much else you can do or someone really doesn't want doesn't, to you know, doesn't talk about these things, but they're helpless against your prayers. They can't stop you from praying for them. Uh, it was E.M. Bounds who wrote kind of like the handbook on prayer. E.M. Bounds, a very popular books and, and, and on prayer. He said this. I'm going to paraphrase it just a little bit. He said, what, and this was years and years and years ago. Here's what he said. He said, the church need, what the church needs today is not more or better machinery, not new organizations or more and novel methods, but what it needs is men and women whom the Holy Ghost can use. People of prayer. People mighty in prayer. The Holy Ghost does not flow through our methods, but through people. He does not come on machinery, but on people. He does not anoint plans, but people, people of prayer, end quote. Powerful, powerful truth. So prayer is more 
than just making a request of God. It involves that, but it involves so much. We're seeing here, it involves worship. It involves fellowship, communion with God, meditating on His Word, and, and seeking His person, seeking His kingdom, and much, much more. God is the one who provides everything, and we even saw that in the model prayer He gave us as He's our provider, even our daily everything, right? So He invites us, it's an amazing thing, He invites us to bring our request to Him. Um, so the question is, do you pray with confidence? Do you pray with confidence, expecting and anticipating God to do something, God to work, God to direct, uh, God to answer you? Or are you filled with doubt? Are you feel, filled with confusion, uh, guilt, or whatever? And I have to ask myself, Lord, I may be praying, but am I praying your way? Am I praying in the way that you want me to um, in, in, in an effective way? Okay, so let's just look through this quickly because the first thing that jumps out here is we'll just kind of outline it this way. First, the request, the request that we we have. Uh, and so in making the request, he says that we are to, well, this is real deep. Okay, well, you got to really get your thinking cap on here. He says, ask. Hey, wow, what about that? Yeah, this is like, just like my old basketball coach track coach and well you know when you grow up in Rosebud the same person's coaches everything right and he's also the principal uh and whatever but he would always you know and, and even and and taught several classes that we had right so he's always saying this not just to me but I think he said it to me quite a lot about showing me how to do things the what he called the right way uh and he would always say this and look See, and I, I have a measure of success. He says, see, this is what you do. You're trying to make something hard out of something easy. I can hear him. I can hear his voice right now saying that to me. You're trying to make something hard out of something easy. And sometimes he liked to write, get right down in your face when he said that. And I'm wondering, sometimes the Holy Spirit's not convicted me even about pray, prayer. You're trying to make something hard out of something easy. God designed it to be that way. Uh, but there's a process involved. He said, ask. We are to ask. And then in order to receive the answer, we are to seek and knock. Simple enough for a child to understand, right? And by the way, they need to understand it. Our children need to be learning to pray as soon as they're learning to, co learning to come to faith in Christ. And I want to say this. is so crucial with all the static and everything going on in our world today. I want to say, young people, you're not ready to leave home until you're ready to learn how to pray. Until you have that kind of relationship with God, you're not ready to be on your own. Okay? And your relationship with God and your prayer life has to become your own. It's not something that your pastor is in charge of in your life or your Sunday school teacher or even your parents. It's yours. You have your own relationship with God. That's so important. All right, so I thought I'd get a lot more amens there, but that's okay. I'll keep going on. I'm preaching way ahead of you here. So prayer, though, is more than just asking and receiving something. I ask something, I receive something. It includes that, but it's a whole lot more because a lot of times we, uh, we spend most of our time just asking, and we don't get down to this, this, this thing that he describes as seeking and knocking is also a part of prayer. When he says, ask, seek, and knock, here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying that there is a sequence of events 
involved in prayer. And can you see the progressive nature of them? There's a progression of, of events that happen. There's more going on than just the verbal. This is why he didn't just say, pray and you'll receive. So prayer is not merely a ritual that we do at church. And to some people, that's all it is. It's a ritual. It's certain words that they just kind of say. It's kind of like a, and for some people, it's kind of like a, uh, a lucky charm that they throw in there before they do something. They say a little memorized prayer. You know, and it's okay to do that, but that's not really prayer. There's so much more. I mean, in prayer, the relationship, and I put this up there because I think I want us to see it as well as think about it. It involves our submitting our will to His will. Because it's different than me talking to you and sharing things with you. I'm coming before Him as our Father who is in heaven. Remember? He reigns supremely. I don't understand everything. I'm just a small speck in this, in this, on this planet. Much less this solar system and this universe. And he's the God who spoke it all into existence. The fact that he not only knows me, but loves me and cares about me. And says he even puts all my tears in his bottle. And he loves me enough to give his son to die on the cross for me. That's amazing to me. He is God. He is all-knowing, all-powerful. I know nothing. And I bow before him. And in faith, faith is all about submitting, trusting, and relying him. Faith isn't just about you having boldness to do stuff thinking it's just going to happen. Biblical faith is you having that boldness because first it involves you trusting, relying, and submitting totally to Him. Even when it goes against logic and understanding of human reasoning. It is submitting to God for fellowship, for strength, for wisdom, for understanding, for forgiveness, for our needs. For, and you could keep going with that, okay? That's what it is. It's so much more than a ritual. It's our life. And you know, and I hear so much testimony of some people I know that are involved in sharing the gospel in the Middle East. And people who are raised in these countries where there is an official state religion. And because of that, uh, it's illegal to really have Bibles. Or you surely aren't supposed to proselytize people. But they find out as they begin. Because even in their religion, they know a, they, they believe in Jesus. They believe he was actually one of their prophets. They don't believe what the Bible says about him. But they're familiar with the name. But when they begin to find out about why Jesus died on the cross and who he really is. When they begin to find out that this God. That you can actually have a relationship with him. That he wants to fellowship with you. It's a foreign concept to them. Because they've been taught that there is this God and you just submit to him. But you really can't have a relationship with him. When they find this out, it's like gold. And they're so hungry for it. It's what this hole inside my heart is always longed for. And, and, and they begin to want to pour through the scriptures. They want to know this God. That this is a God you can actually know. Because in what they were raised in and in part of their culture. They're taught you can't really know him. He's just there. But we're taught we can know him. And not only know him. Have a relationship. A deep intimate relationship. With the one who is our creator. It's like. There is nothing like this. And they begin to study and they begin to come to faith and they begin to share it with their whole household. And then their household reaches out to other households. And the next thing you know, you've got a lot of people living in this difficult context who believe in Christ and are following Him. And they form churches. 
as they come together. I mean, this is something we've been talking about lately. Is too often we try to go into a community that needs a gospel witness and we try to you know, get some property and, and plant a church and then we start trying to reach people and disciple them. How much better is it to go into those areas and start meeting people and connecting with people and gaining people's trust and teaching them the scripture, teaching them to the point that some of them who are open and seeking come to understand it to the point that they come to a point of faith in Christ and salvation and then they begin to share with others and then the next thing you know you have a whole group of people, then you have the beginnings of a local church. Sometimes we do it backwards, right? And so uh, this is part of the whole thing that's involved is prayer. I've heard, of, I've heard of in some of these locked down, very strict Muslim countries that there are people at risk of their life. They will go to other towns and just walk around the town praying for people and asking God to just help them meet someone and, uh, that, that, that they can talk to. And the stories that are coming out is amazing of how God is working. People who don't have what we have, and, but yet they're seeking. We've got the gospel so available to us. We just get numb to it. We don't realize what all is, is, is the eternity that he's preparing us for. <clears throat> so God desires us to be communing with him, spending time with him. So there's the request. That's pretty simple. And we bring the request. We ask, seek, and knock. There's a sequence of events, not just a ritual. Uh, it involves more than that. Then the responsibilities. Let's look at the responsibilities. Obviously, we see that our responsibility is, Jesus said, to ask, seek, and knock. I mean, how convicting is James 4, 2 when he says, you know, let's just start with the asking because a lot of times we don't even do that. We just want to work it out. We want to figure it out. We want somehow for things to just come together. We don't even ask God. Let me tell you something. There is nothing too big. Do you believe that? There is really, if he deems it something that is according to his will... There is nothing too big that you can ask. But on the flip side, there is nothing too small either that you don't need to seek him and ask him. Okay? But he said in James 4, 2, you have not just because you don't even ask. How many times was the Lord willing to do this or that? And I didn't even ask. Okay. But then there's the divine responsibility. So that's our responsibility. God says, I'm responsible when you do this that I am going to answer. Huh? He says, yeah, did you see that? He said, all of those who ask, receive, seek, find, knock, it'll be opened. Okay, he says he's got that response. The Heavenly Father desires to answer our prayers. And he will answer them. He's promised to answer them. Jesus is alluding to answered prayer here. He underscores the assurance of an answer. You will uh, receive. You will be given. You, it will be open to you. So then you say, well... I've prayed a lot of times and nothing. In fact, I prayed about something and instead of it getting better, it got worse. Can I see a hand on that? Amen. Right. But sometimes we forget how God answers prayers. So really quick, just a reminder. We've gone through this before. How God answers. Sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says wait. Sometimes it's yes, but not now. Or how about this? Yes, but not now. In not now and not in the manner that you thought. And then sometimes we have to realize that no is an answer. No is an answer. 
Yeah, I many of you remember that old country song, Thank God for Unanswered Prayers? Huh? Yeah, okay. So there's, yeah, there's that. But uh, in the uh, original language of the Bible, this is something a little more complicated in translating. These are all participles. And basically it means this, that all who are asking are receiving, all who are seeking are finding, and etc. Uh, so, but here's the thing. Sometimes we're not always ready, watch this, for what we're going to find. It may not be what we thought. When we knock, we may not understand fully what's behind that door like we thought. It may not be what you expect. Um, and, and, and so um, we have to uh, re remember this part of it because there are times that we understand that, um, yeah, we need to pray in faith believing. Jesus taught that. And that involves submitting and trusting to him. That doesn't mean that if you just believe something, what it is you want, that you pray it, you use the right words, you, you emphasize the, the positive thinking, the belief, the rhema, the word, and that if I do this, God has to do what you say. Um, he's God. The Bible declares he is in the heavens. He does as he pleases. Okay. So you got to put all scripture together. You can't take things out of context. John told us in 1 John 5 that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So when I come to him asking, and when I come to him seeking, and as I begin to seek him, see, it's more than just me asking. I'm communicating with him. I'm asking. I'm bringing it out there. But in this process, as I really begin to seek him, I really begin to seek the answers. That means I'm going to begin to evaluate my life. That means I'm going to get in this book and I'm going to start digging and I'm going to start struggling there. Amen. I'm going to start going through a lot of things. And in that seeking, I might find that I'm asking for something that I thought was one of my needs, but it turned out to be one of my greeds. He knows the difference between my needs and my greeds, right? It might be. See, because he's a perfect heavenly father, he's not going to give you a stone when you ask for bread. And there will be times that I was asking for stones, and he's like, you can't eat that. You need bread. You're just not to the place where you understand what you even need to ask for. So how do I pray in the will of God? Well, sometimes it starts out me praying not in the will of God. But as I seek Him, He begins to dial it in. He begins to clear the focus. And then I begin to see. So that I begin to adjust. It's not that I talk God ever into something that He doesn't want to do. It's that He helps me focus to get in line with Him and submit my will to His will. And then I have a better understanding of how to pray about this. And as I knock on the door, sometimes the doors don't open. There's a time to keep knocking. And there's a time in all this asking, seeking, and knocking to understand that I'm not knocking on his door. How many open doors did God have in front of me or you? And we never saw them because we're obsessed with this door that we've been asking, seeking, and we've been knocking, we've been pounding on it. God hasn't opened it. And at some point, he'll make you clear that this is not the door. But I want this door, Lord. This is what I desire. This is what's best. And I won't listen to anything else. And I might miss the real opportunity that's wide open. But I found out, hey, I want to just tell you one little quick thing. 
uh, I'm trying to condense this, but I'm not doing a very good job. It's not one of my gifts, okay? Condensing. All right? Expanding or even exaggerating might be. Um, it's like when I tell stories, uh, some of the kids are, uh, now even the grandkids will be like, Papa, that's not, it's not that I'm not telling it the, the truth. I, it's, it's not that I'm even telling a lie. Um, I just sometimes remember big, right? I'm just, I just remember big. Uh, so sometimes stories are boring. You got to fill in. What is it truth that grandpa, what is the, what is the truth about this Curtis that grandpa Dowden said? Don't let the truth stand in the way of a good story. Yeah. But, but anyway, I'm sorry, Uh, but you know, even, even in expanding on this, I would say this, um, in the beginning, when I first came here in October of 1989, as a 22-year-old young guy that was already married and had a, two, a two-year-old and twins that were like three or four months old, however old, a couple of months, few months old, I don't know. Anyway, it's all a blur to me. I was not praying to come to Hartville, Missouri. I was praying to go back to Arkansas. Whoop, pig suey, right? No? Okay. Well, uh, that's what I was praying for. And... Um, I could have, you know, there's times, there's times maybe, and I've seen this happen a little bit in my life, but if I, I, I am so glad that I didn't stand in front of that door and pound on it and kick that door open. There may be times, I don't know, this isn't part of the text, I'm just giving you some of my thinking, and you can disagree with this, but there may be times that we won't leave a door that we're knocking on that God has said no to. And because we won't leave there, all of a sudden, maybe the Lord says what Dad said when I kept trying to get into his pouch of red man chewing tobacco when I was five years old. You keep wanting to get a hold of that? Here, have some. And we'll see if you like it. And the whole world began to spin around shortly after that. I was only five, but I have distinct memories of that day, let me tell you. The stuff that I had eaten a month before came up. I don't know. <laughs> but sometimes it's like the Heavenly Father says, you're not going to listen to me and you're not going to move on. I wonder sometimes personally if he doesn't sometimes open that door and say, okay, all right, you're not going to listen to anything else but this. I'm going to open it and, 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 and you're, gonna, you're not going to like what you're going to find. And you're going to have to kind of go through that before then you say, okay. I missed it. Where is it? And we want to blame God. We want to blame everybody else when that happens when it's really us. Right? So, um, this is the thing. Uh, Sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes it's wait. And God will delay at times. And there's a reason why. We'll take a look at it in just a second. All right? But those, um, those, those are the responsibilities. But look at the requirements. Let's dial that in for just a moment. One of the most vital ingredients in prayer that we often overlook is perseverance. It's kind of like we want to just one time... One and done. Notice the intensity of the progression. There's more activity involved in each step. Asking. And then seeking is going to involve more than that. And then the actual going to find the door and knocking on the door of opportunity involves more involvement from you. You know the old saying, they say sometimes God wants you to put shoe leather to those prayers. means you may have to go actually do something as part of the process of prayer. I want to just pray in God just to lay it out there for me. This is what Jesus is saying that most of the time it doesn't work that way. Now, sometimes all we can do is ask. That's all you can do. It may be all God wants you to do at that point. Uh, But then usually 
at least after a while, that's not all he wants. Sometimes it is, but that's the exception. Generally, we must seek and knock, and we are to ask, but then here's what happens. It's amazing. Watch this. God actually works in our life and allows you and I to actually become involved in the answer by our seeking and knocking. You get that? We may seek, we may dive into the word, we may have to research some things, we may have to talk to some people, we may have to find the right door, we may have to knock on the door. There may be several things that happens there. Often there's a struggle. My biggest struggle, a lot of times I think I'm struggling with God, but I'm actually struggling with me. I kind of feel like Jacob in the Old Testament wrestling with the Lord, but I'm really wrestling with me. The Lord's just letting me wrestle it out, fight it out. Sometimes you got to fight it out, right? Remember like, uh, boy, I love going home because mom and dad built the house that they still live in, and they moved into it about a year before I was born. They still live there, so when I go down there, I still sleep in the same room that was where my baby bed was, same room where I was, you know, as a teenager. I mean, it's the same bed, but not the same mattress. But anyway, and it's moved in a different spot. One of these days when I get half the chance, I'm going to rearrange the room just like it was when I was a kid. But anyway, we have a little bit of issue over that at times now with, with uh, you know, both my brothers live right down there. Um, but when all of my kids and then now grandkids go down there, um, I have trouble giving up my room. Right? It's just, yeah. It's just, um, but I, I, it's just a, it's such a wonderful thing, the, the, the familiarity of it. Um, and, and I love being there, and I'm walking around where I played as a kid. I walk under that old pecan tree, and I still see my great-grandpa Gramps sitting under there in his overalls and straw hat and whittling and, and all that. And me and old Russ, my brother, would get into arguments and fights out there because we had a, before we had to be just working on a farm all the time, you know, like, like slaves as dad made us to be. Kidding, but anyway, dad did believe in child labor, he did. But we'd be out there, we had dirt pile, we played with, you know, like, we had uh, little dump trucks. I mean, that was one thing. Granny and grandpa would get us boys, you remember those metal Tonka dump trucks? We would go through one of those a year, you know what I'm saying? And uh, we played outside, but we would get into a fight. And uh, Gramps, you know, my younger brother, me being the middle child, everybody, you know, tried to get me in trouble. Uh, my older brother, you know, my younger, they, they, and, and my younger brother said, Gramp, Gramp, you know, telling on me. And I can remember Gramps sitting there never looking up from carving on what he was carving on, just whittling. He wasn't making anything. He just whittling. Fight it out, boys. Fight it out. Fight it out, boys. Fight it out. And then sometimes I'm struggling in prayer, and I'm like, Lord, I'm struggling. And he's just looking down saying, fight it out down there. You're fighting with yourself, by the way. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to struggle through it before you come to the answer. Because I've got to let go of some of my preconceived whatever it is. And he takes me through the whole point of this. So perseverance is so important in this. So you see that um, it causes me to look honestly and more deeply into myself. And sometimes that's not what I want to do. I want God to fix things. I want him just to answer things. But he starts taking me through this stuff and I realize that more than he wants to fix the things, he wants to fix me. So prayer is active as well as passive. There's some action that's got to happen. There's going to be some struggle. Um, 
I've got to look deeply into myself and into his word. There's going to have to be some seeking. There'll be some knocking. I mean, it's like if you're a young person and you're praying for God to open up the doors for you to go to the best college ever, you know, um, but yet you're not studying, preparing to take the entrance exams, probably not going to answer that prayer the way you want. Um, if you haven't applied to any, or like the young lady that's praying for God to send her Prince Charming to meet the right guy, the right husband, you're praying that, but you never go anywhere, or you go to all the wrong, or you're praying to meet God's choice, and yet, 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 you're going to, looking for love and all the wrong places, you know, that kind of thing. Probably not going to get God's choice there. So there's, there's a little bit of different avenue of seeking than maybe what you're doing and knocking. So this is, this is kind of part of what is involved in this. There are certain things that uh, you must do rather than just ask for the doors to be open. There may be some things that he needs you to do. And it'll come about as you're praying, you're asking, you're seeking. And now there's some things I need to do. To become involved in the answer that God's wanting to give me. Now, there's the other part is steadfastness. Uh, steadfastness. And that is, I want to just emphasize the perseverance. By when you persevere, you're going to be steadfast. Okay, I know they're synonymous. That there's oftentimes a lapse of time between asking and receiving. But that doesn't mean that God's not listening or that God's, listening to this, not doing something. Because he is. The emphasis on perseverance is because God has designed prayers, I believe, with delays in it. With delays in it. He already knows what he's going to do. But often there's a delay. So I will trust him. So I will seek him. So I will keep growing. Why does God delay? Why? Well, sometimes he sees in us, as we come to him for something legitimate even... Added, even though, see, see, I'm asking for something that I know this, this, how could this not be the will of God to answer this? I want to get from point A to point B. And sometimes it takes a while to get there. But I found out that it's in between point A and point B is where God does his work on me. Hey, that almost rhymed. In between point A and point B is where God does his work on me. Somebody write that down quick. Man, I love it when I start to rhyme. Anyway, sometimes he sees in me habits. Oh, this is a tough one. Attitudes. Disobedience. Unforgiveness, whatever. He might have an answer ready to send on his way. But he's not going to allow me to receive it until I am spiritually and emotionally and mentally in the position to receive it. The answer is ready. But I'm not ready. And God may be in the process. Of even testing our earnestness. He already knows. But he's going to reveal this to us. Um, that sometimes we're not as earnest. And steadfast. And persevere like we should. And he delays just so that we grow in that. He may be testing our faith. As we continue asking, seeking, knocking, something begins to happen. Something begins to happen to my relationship with God. Because here's what I realize. More than he wants to just give me the answer. More than he wants to just take away whatever burden. 
More than he wants to give me an answer, here's what he wants to give me. Oh, I forgot that. Um, he wants to give you himself. More than he wants to give you anything else. Because sometimes I want, I'm praying and I want it. Whatever it is. God says, I want to give you more than just the answer. I want to give you more than just it. I want to give you me. And I found out when I have him, I have it. All of it. He may be developing my patience as I trust him in that delay. It may be because, and it rarely is this way that my timing matches up with God's. Um, God is not interested in instant anything. We have so many instant this, instant that. But God isn't interested in that because we don't learn anything that way. Um, as Curtis says, God's r never late, but he's rarely early. Yeah. But uh, that's the way it is a lot of times. Our timing is off. We're usually way ahead. So why don't we pray? Why don't we pray? Um, one of the reasons we don't is pride. We think we can do it by ourselves. I can do this by myself. Sometimes the Lord has to let us really go through some stuff. But we realize, you know, I may not be asking because of pride. Or I may not be going through this process. Or I stop. Because I'm just like, well, I'll fix this. I'll figure it out. And he has to let us know that, no, you've got to humble yourself. Sometimes it's ignorance. Do you realize and fully understand that prayer is the lifeline of your spiritual life? There's no way, watch this, for Jesus to be truly the center of your life without prayer. Without you making a priority for time in prayer and spending time in his word and maybe even fasting and praying. That he's really not the center. We talk about prayer and we're talking about it right now. But we talk about it so much more than we do it. But here's one of the main reasons why we back off of prayer. We are unwilling sometimes for God to dig and to cut into our innermost being. And to seek out and surface those things in, like in my life that needs to be dealt with. Sometimes I don't want God dealing with my thoughts and my attitudes and my sins that are private to me. There may be time that there's an issue and I go down and I want to really get involved in deep time of prayer with God. And all of a sudden something starts happening. The Holy Spirit begins to take my mind somewhere else and bring up something that I need to deal with. Um, an easy example that I can give you. Can I give you an easy one real quick? Back when the kids were still home. I can remember being in the study doing some very spiritual stuff. I was preparing sermons and lessons, and I'm with time with God. You know, not that I wouldn't help get the kids ready. I mean, they're getting older. But um, I kind of snapped at everybody one morning and really got on to them. And I snapped at Clarissa pretty bad about, you know, hey, I'm in here trying to, and this is the time that I need to focus. And, and I was not helpful. I was just, you know, I thought I was being so spiritual, right? And I kind of really got on everybody. And they all kind of left. They went to school. She went to work. All right, fine. It's quiet. And I get down and I really start trying to get into that time of prayer. And I couldn't pray. And um, Clarissa was working at the care center down here in Hartville at that time. And I'm like, Lord, I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to go there. And he's like, You got to call her at least. So I called, and I just said, Well, I've been here trying to pray, but I guess I'm I'm blocked. Uh, I need to apologize to you. 
for my whole attitude this morning because the thing that God wanted me to do was get in there and help do whatever all needed to be done. And instead of just not doing that, I, I really was pretty negative and nasty. And will you forgive me? And it's like, now I can't say this has happened every time I've been negative and nasty, okay? But I know I can tell you that one time really stands out because that's when I was learning this is that um, I could just try to bypass and work around, but if I was really going to get close to God, the Holy Spirit was saying, ah, 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 ah. Father's saying, don't try to crawl up here in my lap for some close time together and some loving from your heavenly Father. I've got a problem with you that I need you to deal with. Okay? Sometimes, maybe, we've got something in there. Whatever it is, and we're afraid to really get serious and close in prayer because we feel it. We know the Holy Spirit's going to take us there, and we don't want to go there. We don't want to deal with it. But if we just would trust him enough and submit to him enough to just give it to him, it's amazing what will happen. Amen? It's amazing the freedom, the freedom. So we've got to ask ourselves this. As we wrap it up, we're ready to wrap it up, say amen. I knew I'd get one there. Ask yourself, why do I quit so soon? Instead of going through the process of asking, seeking, why do I quit so soon? You know, they say one of the largest veins of gold found in California was just a few feet past where the previous owners of the mine stopped and abandoned it. The new ones come in and bought the claim and went in there and didn't go very far until they found one of the biggest. I wonder sometimes. I wonder sometimes we get to heaven if the Lord will open this window and say, well, look at all those blessings. Those are a lot of things that I'd prayed for and answers that I had thought I was seeking. And Lord say, well, these are all things I wanted to give you, but you didn't ask, seek, and knock. All right, let's wrap it up this way, the reassurance, because he tells us this whole story about, you know, even fathers that are earthly fathers that aren't so bright, if your kid, you love your kids, and if they're hungry, you're not going to give them a rock, you know? If they're hungry and ask for fish, you're not going to give them a snake that'll bite them. And it's like, look, you guys are evil. You're all a bunch of sinners. And if even being sinners that you are, you know how to give good gifts to your kids, don't you think the Heavenly Father will give good things to those who ask Him? And that's right, He will give good things. Now, there may be times that I'm praying for something and trying to claim something in Jesus' name that I think is a good thing, but He knows it's not. That's why I can't just command it to happen. I've got to submit to Him because His answer may be no, or no, not in that way, or no, not right now. I've got to trust Him. So, He... Loves you. And here's what he wants to do. He wants to teach us to ask, seek, and knock. Because that's going to bring us closer to him. He wants to help us understand that he also, as he says, he knows what you need even before you ask him. He already knows. Well, if he knows, why do I have to ask him? Because he told us to ask. We talked about this. Jesus being the son of God. While he was here on earth, fully human, but still fully God. Spent so much time in prayer with the Father. If Jesus felt the need to pray that much, I guarantee you I do. More. Amen. He helps us understand that he knows our needs. And he wants to respond always out of pure love and infinite wisdom. He doesn't give us a blank check. You know, like you just pray and he'll, whatever you ask, he will do. No, no, it's better than that. He'll do what you would have asked for if you had enough sense to ask the right thing. He'll, he'll adjust our thinking on it. 
So my request is filtered through his infinite wisdom, his omniscience, and through his word. It will always come out for the best. He wants to give you, when God answers a prayer, he's going to give you the best answer. You can't ask for God anything too big if he deems it good. In fact, he's honored by big requests. You got something impossible right now? Start asking, seeking, and knocking. And so, um, I just went back. Let's just do that. Um, I don't know why it went to the beginning. All right. If you'll apply these principles, here's, here's the last thing I was going to. Oh, there it is. Jeff, you fixed it. Thank you. If you apply these principles, God will transform your prayer life. If we just do what Jesus said here, he'll begin to transform your prayer life. And when he transforms your prayer life, he transforms your whole life. Amen. Amen. Let's pray.